Welcome back to Faith, Family, and Politics. I'm your guest host, Alan McFarlane, and we're in this newly renovated Bullet Studio. And to my right is the man you guys know and love and see every week. Josh, he'll be bringing the word. And of course, we can't do the show without Louie. And we're going to have a really big show today. <laughs> Absolutely, Louie. Thank you, sir. And uh, Josh, you want to go ahead and give us a lead in here and give us the word? Nourish the soul and the mind. Um, just before I do, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, say prayer over the word. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Father God, we want to thank you for this chance to get together and uh, uh, put this show together week uh, week in, week out. And, you know, thank you for letting us get to renovate it and keep bringing it out there for the, the few hundred that watches. And uh, we're so thankful that we've got those eyeballs. And uh, and hopefully uh, by the end of this, they'll they'll know uh, that, that you love them, Lord, and that uh, that they are enough in this world. Uh, and your son's Jesus's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, so this week, um, my title is, Are You Enough? Are You Enough? Um, I've been doing this kind of a, um, I don't want to say uh, sermon, so to speak, but via text message with guys I work with uh, for some time now. And... Um, it's just kind of been off and on. It's like this, um, whenever I feel like either I've been getting down or I feel like somebody else that I know was in our little text chain, um, has been getting down. I, I do this, this, uh, set of, uh, different scripture and, uh, and it's just kind of evolved over time. And it's just kind of a, a pick me up to let you know that you are enough that the Lord has chosen you, that he wants you to be part of his family. Um, and, uh, so, just to start off with, it's uh, it starts off with a question here. Say, so, uh, what, what do you tell yourself uh, daily? <laughs> We've got our mascot joining us, uh, Miss Journey. There, she's she wants to be fourth chair. Yeah, so she, bad, so bad. She wants to be fourth chair. Um, so you, you, what do you tell yourself daily? Um, did you know that you were made in God's image? Um, <clears throat> we are we are uh, dignified before we are even born. Um, and then in uh, that it tells us that we're dignified before we're even born in uh, uh, Genesis uh, 26, uh, one, chapter 1, 26 through 28. Uh, then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. <clears throat> Male and uh, female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said, uh, God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. <clears throat> you know, um, God, God chooses the weak. Um, he, he chooses the weak for a reason. Um, because, you know, in our weakness, we can show, yeah, I am weak, but he is strong. Um, so no matter how much people try to come down on you, uh, you, you just stay authentic and keep showing them, you know, that, that being authentic and being a, a, a real individual is, is, is the way to be. Um, you know, uh, get rid of all the, uh, 
Instagram worthy image version of yourself, the, um, have to be able to appeal to both Christians and non-Christians all the time, you know, be able to appeal to the masses. Your, your core audience should always be the people that are true and honest and, and authentic, just like yourself. Um, and it gives us a, a chance to, uh, glorify God and the point to Jesus and say, I, I am weak, but he is strong. And in First Corinthians chapter 1, 26 through verse 29, it says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Sounds pretty familiar in this table, I think. Absolutely. Noble birth here. <laughs> but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. I've been pretty foolish quite a bit over my life. I know that. And, uh, and, uh, so I'm glad that he chose me and, and uses me to, to shame the wise. <laughs> um, so it go on, goes on here. It says, uh, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Uh, God chose what is, uh, low and despised in the world, even the things that are not to bring nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That's pretty humbling, right? Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, the, the, this next portion here is, uh, um, do you ever find yourself uh, tempted to compare yourself to others? I think everyone does at some point. Right. It's kind of a human, it's kind of human nature. Yeah. And, and, uh, and in what ways is God using you for his glory? We've got to ask ourselves that on a regular basis so that we're not constantly comparing. Like say, hey, you know, I need to be perpetuating him and the world and, and not trying to wonder what everybody else is doing. It puts us into that spirit of competition. Um, so Ephesians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. What a wonderful gift it is. It says, Not, uh, not a result of works, so that no one may, may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, I like the idea that it goes back to my dad's message uh, some weeks ago, you know, the uh, the imperfect, uh, mar- the marred vessel, mm-hmm. the, the pot. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, we're definitely, we're all, we're all marred vessels and, uh, um, and we, we all try to, it goes right into this next thing here is, is, you know, do you ever have trouble finding your way to fit in? You ever had that, Louie? Had troubles fi- finding your way to fit into a group? Yes, plenty of times. Yeah. I'm, and, I moved all the time. It was, you know, yeah. I remember one year I moved to four different schools and that's challenging. You know, you go, you meet some people and then suddenly you change and now you have to meet new people. You know, try to adapt to what's around you. Yeah, that's, it's an incredible feeling. It's very difficult. But guess what, Alan? Uh, there is a place for you, even when you can't see where you fit in. Tell me more about yeah, this place. This, this place, and it means that in God's sight, we are all equal and all necessary. Mm, that's pretty nice, huh? Um, all uh, all one in spirit makes a mockery of the divisions uh, made by humans. You're talking sexism, racism, ableism, among all the other isms that there are out there. Uh, they have no place in the kingdom of God. 
So that'll bring us into 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 12 through 14. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to uh, catch a ball with just your eyeballs, um, but I don't think it does the job, does it? That's so much. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever tried to just do it with your hands and, and your eyes are closed. Never, never tried to do that. I've definitely tried that. Yeah, it, it's not always so successful. A little more successful than catching it with your eyeballs. Yeah. So, <laughs> but still but, not not a high percentage yeah, chance. Yeah, but if you use both, let's say, you know, Louie and I happen to be a pair of eyeballs and you were a set of hands. We work pretty well together. We can catch that ball. So Probably. Yeah, yeah, it just drives home the, the, the point of, you know, we all have purpose. We're all, we're all here for a reason. Um, so – no one is too far gone also. Um, the, no one's too broken or um, they're, they're not in too gif- difficult of um, uh, having uh, problems. Um, and in whatever state you, you're in, you're valued, loved, and cherished. Um, in our busyness, it can be easy to forget that God longs for us to come to him both in good times and in bad. Uh <clears throat> I love this picture of uh, walking peacefully beside uh, God walk, walking peacefully beside us, leading us uh, along the safe path. He shows us which way to turn and where the solid ground is, and ultimately, He will lead us all the way home to heaven. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't stop walking beside us, and His paths are perfect. Our God is faithful always. Do you trust God to lead you? I mean, I'm not in California, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't get led astray. And so we even have scripture to go along with that, uh, uh, Alan. It's, uh, it's uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, 18, 19. Um, <laughs> showing this that we don't live in California for sure. So, uh, uh, for I consider that the, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the re, uh, revealing of sons uh, of the sons of God, um, we are chosen, um, holy, royal, and special. I don't know if you know that you're chosen, holy, royal, and special. God chose you. I knew I was special. <laughs> yeah, emphasis on the special. I seen mm-hmm. that that tagline in the <laughs> in the promotion this week. That was that was clever (laughs) i do what i can and uh you know this is how god's people are described by peter uh each of us indeed are very precious to god you see uh peter is making a bigger point about us uh being the church uh we christians are called to be god's dwelling place as the holy spirit lives in us and together we are uh we are to praise the father and tell others of his saving work there's no theological qualification required here. No minimum years of service are required to be woven into the very fabric that is the church. You are chosen. You are needed. You are enough. Um, and in 
First Peter chapter two verses nine and ten, uh, it says, "But you are chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of His own possession, that you may proclaim uh, the excellencies of whom uh, of Him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people." Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Um, and, you know, uh, to tackle today's society, I talked about Instagram a little bit earlier. We try to impress each other a lot. Um, we go on these, you know, Instagram, and we see these influencers, and they make all these fake product endorsements, and uh, they just want you to go out and buy stuff. I heard the shudder in your voice. I thought you were going to talk about how much money they made, knowing how much, knowing how often we work at this. Yeah, right. Like so, how much I see them make. Right. <gasps> they make way too much money. The 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 monetary possessions. Uh, it's not going to mean a hill of beans in the end. Of course, uh, they can't take it with them. Um, and uh, you know, Facebook, you know, can feel like a, a competition to see who is living their best life um, between you and your your peers. Um, that's why I love that that image of the apple in the mirror. Yeah. You know, the one side has the big bite taken out of it, and it's turning brown, but the mirror only reflects the beautiful side that shows it, and it really kind of shows how human beings really are. And I just, I love that dichotomy. Rotting from the inside, essentially, yeah. And nobody can see it. Yep. It's just, here's the pretty part, yeah. yeah. And uh, say so comparison, to, to that point, comparison is like a thief that steals your joy. It's true. It's a thief that steals your joy. Um, and even with all these distractions, God asks us to be authentic, loving, kind, thankful, and honest. That's a big challenge, um, especially in today's society where we're being pushed to divide and hate each other constantly. We're being we're being pushed and all the isms that we mentioned before. But what if you're thankful for the hate that you feel? <laughs> it completed me. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. You know it's true. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we are not meant to compare ourselves to each other, but rather to cheer on each other. Well, we should uh, do this to glorify God. You are chosen, saved, and he is changing you to be more like Christ. Again, you are enough. Um, and in Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, it says, And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body <clears throat> and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to, to God <clears throat> and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Yeah, so uh, once again, you are enough. And I, I think uh, that's, that's all I had in my notes, actually. So um, what what do you think, Louis? Uh, um, in today's hustle and bustle society, um, has there has been anything that's ever made you uh, feel like maybe, you know, you weren't necessarily enough, but it came out to be something different? A lot of times, yeah. I felt like I wasn't enough whenever whenever I had to um, meet somebody or 
do something for somebody or or care about anybody. Uh, usually try to um, do what I can for anybody that I know out there and help them, but sometimes I feel that I don't do enough. And I wish I did, and I wish that things would work out a lot more better than what I usually do. That's about it. But we just uh, we just heard from from the the word of the Lord that that no matter all those all those things all those distractions, you're enough. You're glorified. Yes. You're loved, cherished even. We're all loved, and we're all loved by God because God loves us. That's why He sent His Son down Absolutely. here to fight for our sins. And you're stuck being cherished by us. Yeah. Yeah, we love you and cherish you. And I love all of you. What about you, Alan? Was there, a, was there anything that... I permanently exist in the form of comparison. And um, so that meant a lot to me to listen to that because every day, I mean, growing up, I was I was competitive in athletics you know, or anything else, so I was constantly comparing myself. Who could run the fastest? Who can jump the highest? Who can do this? Who can do that? And then even today, even with what we do, you know, we do this and it's great. And, uh, but it's not that I never look at, I don't look at those numbers, right? I'm constantly looking over those numbers. I constantly want to see what I can do to be more like this person. Not really because I want to be like them, but I want to be as successful as they are. And, and yeah, it's great. I think that doesn't take away from wanting to be your best self. Right, I don't think that's something. That I don't think that's more like aspiration, as right? To, right, yeah. but you're still comparing, right? So yeah. look at it and you go, okay, this person has this many followers, this person has this many views. I, we want to do this professionally, and we have a great time doing it. It is a lot of work, but you never want to do any. No one wants to work for free, so yeah. so we constantly are trying to to make ourselves better and do what we can. And so you're constantly looking and going, okay, well, this works for this person, this works for that person. We want to dig our own way. We want our own our own path, but there is some comparison there. Yeah, I don't want to be better than Crowder, <laughs> right? But I'd like to be in the conversation. Yeah, shoulder to shoulder. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I think I I permanently exist in that realm. I don't go to work and, and I don't have that peace and just go. This is what I do. I, I I don't go do anything, and I hate it because honestly, I wish I could have that peace of just understanding I am enough. All the time. But and if you can't do it, you know that you still are enough. And and I appreciate that. And that's why I think this really spoke to me. And I think this was fantastic uh, hearing this tonight because it really did speak to me. It, it's it's good to it's good to know that. Um, well, I mean, it could touch you here at the table, but also like you know, people out there. Hopefully, they're they'll come to the understanding that. No matter all the comparisons, or maybe they, maybe they having the troubles at work, or maybe they having their troubles with their their spouse or their significant other, or friends, uh, family, you know, anything, or, or or heck, even their pet. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we certainly have our troubles with Journey. Doing Journey some side uh, eye. Yeah, she's she's growling at us, so it's okay. Part of the show, whether whether we want her to be or not tonight. Um, but yeah. Um, we just have to keep remembering that we are enough, and and to keep uh, keep working hard for the Lord because uh, you know he, he's looking out for us. Oh, 
Oh, we're not shortchanging you here, Josh. Tell us. <laughs> Give us a story. A story. Okay. Give us something. Have you ever felt that way? You ever uh, felt like you're not enough? Countless times. I would say, um, you're talking about like every single day living in that, living in that perpetual comparison. I think that's why the, this, I always have to remind myself of all these things. And I have a lot more, trust me. I have a lot more that goes with this message, but, um, uh, I wanted to kind of really narrow it down or, or, or um, uh, we call it, uh, just kind of filter it down so that it's a little more, uh, understandable for most. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think we've talked about, uh, in the past, we talk about things as heavy as suicide I've been there. Um, we talked about, um, a lot of a lot of different uh, times in life where we just weren't up to par. Um, and here recently, I thought, uh, I, I, well, one thing that bugs me, and it's, it seems like a small thing to anyone else, but I, I'm actually, uh, I, d- I just stepped into a, a new position at my my work recently. Um, so I, I'm a I'm a um, hardware engineer. Um, seems like a big title, but trust me, it's it's not as glorified as it seems. Uh, <laughs> um, it's still very blue collar, just with computers. Um, but I also do inventory as well, and uh, and uh, that's uh, uh, it's a big job. And well, we had the we have these uh, quarterly audits where people come through and then they they scan all the assets. That's the 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 laptops that and and desktops that I keep uh, track of. Thank you for that. <laughs> and um, so when they come in once a quarter, once every three months, um, they're basically double checking my work, making sure that everything's there. And um, my very first audit, I had out of 4,000 and plus assets, machines, laptops, dry, uh, desktops, one was missing. And it broke my heart. Because I'm like, I'm... <laughs> Like I said, I have to remind myself of this all the time because this message all the time because uh, it wasn't perfect and I right. lost sleep over it. I I um I compared myself to my predecessor who um is, is a great man and I hope hope he gets to be on the show one of these days because um, he's become a really good friend as well. But he went through like twenty audits, perfect every single time, and um never won. Missing. Well, so assume that number has grown substantially over the years, right? True. I mean, as you guys have gotten much larger, dealing with larger places and more volume, the higher volume. And the processes have have changed as well. So the the tracking of the machines is actually even better now too. So um, it's a little harder for things to get squirreled away. Um, This isn't the one your company sold me, is it? (laughs) <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I'm just playing. No, I'm just abso- playing. absolutely not. Um, I would know. Uh, <laughs> inventory. So uh, suddenly my mic cut off. What happened? <laughs> am I, am I getting Clinton? <laughs> hey, Louie, go get that body bag out. Back. <laughs> he said, we've spoken about heavy things such as suicide, and you're going to watch Alan do his right now. <laughs> Louie would be like, I just ended up with a new Mercedes. I don't know what happened. <laughs> But you know, in life, nothing is perfect. Nobody's perfect. You try your best and you do your best, but people do make mistakes. Yeah. And bosses are always checking up on us. They never trust any worker. They're always watching out for anybody. And in a way, it's good because if they find any mistakes, they let you know. 
and yeah. you correct it, you know. But at least you try and you try your best, and you're not perfect. Right. Nobody in this world is perfect. Yeah. But at least you get the work done. Well, I mean, it, it made me feel like um, like I wasn't enough, um, and especially you know, it's been it's it's got kind of almost happening again this quarter where I'm going through the whole thing again where I've went through and I checked. I, I audited my entire uh, inventory, and I've got one that's just poof, it's gone, and I can't find it anywhere. And I'm I'm checking all these different systems and going to different places and 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 the computer and trying to find it. I go I went to physically check all the different shelves that it could possibly be on, and I can't find this one computer. And I and once again I've lost sleep and, and felt like I wasn't good enough. And I, I told my supervisor about it and. Of my coworkers and they're like, "We'll help you out next week. We're going to find that machine. It's not. It's not going to come up missing." So, um, they're, they're like, "It has to be in there because if it's not in all these different places in the system and everything, it has to be in there. It's just, it's just hidden somewhere. It's, but it has to be here." So, so one thing that just kind of, oh, was I cutting off, Louis? No, go ahead. One thing that really kind of cut, really cut myself off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing I was thinking about, is just trying to think outside the box on this topic. Not only do we compare ourselves to other people, right? We feel like we aren't enough because we compare ourselves with each other. Mm-hmm. But as we age, comparing ourselves to our younger selves, we don't see the knowledge that we've gained and the experience that we've gained. We always think about, you know, oh, my knee hurts, right? Yeah. Or, hey, I can't get up the stairs as fast as I used to or things like that. We or think we'll up the stairs if you're <laughs> Right. <laughs> I can't eat red sauce anymore, right? We, we compare ourselves to our younger selves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and internalize that, but we don't typically look at the positives that we've gained, the things we've gained over time, the relationships that we've gained, the experiences, the knowledge, um, the things that have made us what we are. And I think that's just something I was just kind of thinking about where else would that apply? Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I do that a lot too, you know? I know what you mean because as I'm getting older, I have more pains and more problems with my health. And Half the time I think that I'm useless, you know, and I like to give up on, you know, on life, but I keep going, but I wish I had the strength and the youth that I used to have, but I know I can't have that no more. I'm a lot weaker. I'm more pain, and half the time I feel like I'm useless. And I wish I didn't feel like that, but it's like you said, I did grow a lot of knowledge. I know a lot more than what I used to know when I was younger, because when I was younger, I was kind of, didn't know too much. But life is like that. As you get older, you get more pains, more more problems, and you just got to keep going. You can't stop. You can't let it bother you. I mean, the Bullet Studio would not be possible without you. Yeah. And your knowledge. Seriously, we're yeah. sitting in in a monument to your knowledge. I mean, honestly. <laughs> well, I try to help. Yeah, I, mean, I try to do my best of what I can. This entire show exists. Uh, essentially, it's spur- spurred out of our friendship. Because we were always talking about a lot of these things already. Louie and I were. And... um We talked about all the different shows that we like to watch and, and, and things like that. And and uh, the things that we were into, and, and it turns out that you, you know we talk we talk about faith, family, and politics <laughs> like every Ooh. single time. It was always hitting those bullet points, and 
Louis, you know, you, because of you and your wisdom, you inspired this entire thing. Um, Thank you. You've been a big part of it. So thank you. I wish I could bring more into that knowledge out, but when I get over here in the studio, I kind of freeze up a little bit. Okay, I do loose. better when I'm not on the studio. I could talk more <laughs> and say more things, but hey. I'll probably get there. Yeah, as time goes on, you'll you'll be able to shake it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you definitely inspired this this entire thing. It 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 wasn't it wasn't possible without your wisdom. So I thank God every day that He loved and cherished you enough to put you in my life and uh, yeah, make it all. I'm possible. glad He did. He put us all in good. together. Yeah. This is a trio, a pretty good trio right here. Yeah, I like this. Sure. This is great. This is cozy. I mean, I don't have anybody next to me. I mean, <laughs> Journey's over here. She's visiting. <laughs> She's making sure I don't feel lonely over here. But uh, I, th- I think, I don't know, do you want to, do you have any ideas on the family portion or you think this faith portion and kind of how we've evolved it here? I mean, it, it, it's, it's gone pretty good. I mean, uh, I don't know where we are on time or anything. Uh, we, but. I think we had about about three minutes left, but uh, we can go ahead and move into the next section if you, if you got some uh what do you want to do, family or politics? I think we we'll go and move into the the family section. I think uh, Louis had a, a a big topic that he really wanted to discuss. If if you're down, Alan, let's um, do it. Uh, Fire away. What I want to talk about is I'm uh, just in the chair. <laughs> abortion. Okay. There's a lot of talk about abortion here lately. Which they should make it legal or not legal. I don't think it should be legal. God gave us a gift. Well, he gave he gave us a gift, but he gave the woman more of a gift to have a baby. That's God's creation. I hear a lot of women out there. It's my body. I do what I want. No, it's not your body. That's God's body. He gave you that body, and he gave you a gift of having a kid. So why do you want to destroy that kid? You know, that's. Murder, to me. Yeah, it is. It is, and, and you know, Louis, uh, to, to to drive that point home a little bit. Uh, I've never known a person to have twenty fingers and twenty toes. I've never met one person with twenty fingers and twenty toes. Maybe maybe they had an eleventh finger, but yeah. never twenty fingers and twenty toes. So, <laughs> women's out there, these young girls out there that are having sex without protection. If you don't want to have that baby, don't have sex without protection. Protect yourself because if you have that baby, oh, there's a lot of girls out there that also say, well, how about when you get raped? All right, you got raped. It's a sad thing. I wish nothing like that happens to any woman. But if it did happen, give the baby to somebody. You know, somebody that could have the kid, that don't have that gift that God would give you. Absolutely. You know, and let them take care of it, but don't kill it. You know, just give it up. And don't, you might be afraid of your mother, your father, but tell them, don't be afraid. They'll help you. You know, and um, I hope you learn from this and, you know, you don't, kill that baby and destroy it and you probably give it to somebody that might have that baby that might not have that gift from God to have a baby. And, and, and even, even more so, um, instead of just protection necessarily, 
Um, if you don't, if you're not ready for a child, um, outside of the, the rape issue, obviously, but if you're not ready for a child, just don't, don't engage in sexual activity. That's right. I mean, the general rule that I always apply is if, you know, you're not adult enough to handle the circumstances, don't do the adult action, right? Right. I mean, and that's not just adult, it's anything. If you're not, if you're not willing to possibly handle the circumstances of your actions, regardless of age you are and the age you are, experience level you are, don't do whatever action might lead to that. And there's a lot of girls out there that can't handle that action because once they have that baby and they try to take care of that baby, they can't handle the stress of taking care because they're too young. And likewise, the, the boys or the men or, or whoever else is involved, same situation for them, right? right. They weren't ready for that. They just thought it sounded good in the, in the moment. And then yeah. I'm very, very harsh on on men who vanish. <laughs> I'm very, very harsh on them. There's a lot of men like that that a lot of girls would have a baby just to keep a man. But Journey, mean Journey agrees man, with one of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But doesn't mean that that man is going to stay with you, you know? And if he don't, you know, don't try to get rid of it. Give it to somebody who could. And don't put the burden on your family to try to take care of your kid for the mistakes that you did, you know? Yeah. And... um and certainly the fa- any any fathers out there, like you were saying, they need to step up. They need to be part of that, that child's life if they can. Because um, the the biggest um, the biggest chance that any child has to make it in this world is to have two loving parents at home. Two loving parents. It's like I, how many? I would have taken two men once, right? And <laughs> <laughs> um, and not to say that single parent homes can't work. Um, because I know plenty of good functioning people, successful people, uh, people that, have, you know, they do pretty well for themselves uh, in their life, uh, maybe not financially necessarily, but they're certainly they're emotionally stable. Um, but they have a better chance if they have mom and dad at home. That's right. Because uh, I know that for a lot of my friends uh, and, and acquaintances growing up that I, I, you know, hung out with or whatever over the years, they they would go through and they would uh, talk about oh how much fun they were having because mom and dad weren't around or dad was out of the picture so I could do this or mom is out of the picture so I can go do this and it wasn't even the latchkey kid situation it's just parents didn't care just didn't want to be parents yeah and they weren't around they just weren't loving they weren't engaged with their with their child and then when they get to be our age, this, uh, you know, close to 40, uh, age. Can't believe you said that on the mic. <laughs> Alan's very vain about his age. No. <laughs> I don't think it worries you a bit, does it? No. Um, so yeah, we get to be the, you know, you know, uh, close to 40 and then they go, Oh, uh, I have to, uh, I have to do these things in my life to be able to make money and have a job and have my own place. And they, they're still not there. Like they're still in that like teenagers mindset mm-hmm. because no one was there to go, Hey son, to be like father, you do this. And Hey son, in order to love, be like mom. Well, that's so kind of off that one thing I love a quote I saw was, you know, don't give your children the things you didn't have. Give them the knowledge that you didn't have at their age. Give them the give them the information 
that you didn't have at their age because the things will break, but the knowledge will last them their lifetime. How to think? Correct. <laughs> and I was one of those kids. When I was young, my father abandoned us. We had a struggle all our life. My mother, she didn't know how to read and write, so she had to get on welfare and raise us. But she stuck with us, even though her life was hard for her, and it was hard for her to raise us. But she stood there and raised us, and I never knew what a man, you know, what a father is, because I never had one. You got an incredible mom, though. Yes, I did. She stuck with us. She was hard and rough on us. She had to be. She's to, playing two She roles. had to be the man and the woman. And I wish back then I did have a father so I could know what a father is. That's why when I grew up, I didn't wasn't that great of a father to my kids. And I wish I was one of those good fathers, but that's life and that's what life gave me and I had to deal with it. Yeah, but the way I look at it is I always tell everybody, and I told, speaking of age, you know, when I turned 38, you know, Riley looked at me and she said something about my age and I said, you know what? I'm perfectly fine with that. Perfectly fine getting older. You know why? Because as long as that number is going up, I have opportunity. Yep. Every day I open my eyes, there's opportunity. And we always joke, you know, I see Jenny, customers. Jenny's all in on this. She's, yeah, she is. She's telling us everything. <laughs> um, you know, I say this all the time. Any morning you wake up, you know, looking at the flowers, not the roots, you have a chance. You have a chance. We have the same number of hours in the day. Every one of us does. Every one of us does. But we have to start that day. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, You've you've uh, you've had a little bit of time with Bible study now, Louie, and 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 got to know uh, God's love. So you know your heavenly Father. So you know certainly know that picture of a father. And um, one of these days, when your kids reach out back out to you, because I know that they will, and hopefully you know that maybe they see it through here or or wherever. However it happens, they're going to reach back out to you, and you're going to know exactly what to say, because now you've had the how to think, and and you'll you'll know exactly how to be a good father because you have Christ in your heart. It changes your whole perspective, certainly. And I know that for me, um, my biological father, I mean, he, uh, I met him once, uh, you know, and my adult life, my wife actually went with me and it was like a, we made a day of it. I found him on the internet. We went to, uh, to, to meet him, uh, and, it was surreal because I would met my my half brothers, um, and some of my a couple of my nieces I believe were there. Um, and we we just like we went to it like of all places we just went to a dinner at a Penn Station. It was it was a very strange day. Uh, so I thank God that Gary, my father, who's been on this show, um, who people claim you look more like than your mother. Yeah. <laughs> That was a that was a common joke that we got to run across in high school for sure. They would always say, "Oh, you always you look you know you look more like your dad than you do your mom," and we just all get a good laugh out of that. Um, but I thank God every day that He came into our lives and and He raised my brother and I as His own. And I had two loving parents. I had a mom and a dad at home, uh, two loving parents, and I feel like that was what gave me the drive to 
be a functioning member of society and not go out and get on drugs. And um, certainly I had my mistakes, uh, some bigger than, than most, but um, I, I learned from those. I gained wisdom and got older and uh, I, I watched my mom and dad. I watched how they tackled the world and uh, learned uh, how to think because they, they dragged me kicking and screaming sometimes to church every Sunday. And I learned how to think and, Applied that to my life. And the interesting thing, and I was going to bring this up, and I wish Don was here, um, but Don was a youth minister for years, a couple of years actually at a church. And I would go in on Saturdays. He would typically have, I think one Saturday a month maybe, they do a sleepover and all the teenage kids come over and they do games. And it was, they actually had a skate park in the back of the church. The church was really driven toward teenagers. And uh, I thought that was kind of a cool program. Now, Probably not a great business model, <laughs> but, <laughs> but hey, um, I remember being there on Saturdays and we were talking about parents who just don't want to be parents. And I'm not saying that every one of these parents was that way, but to watch them pull up and just kind of drop their kids off on a Saturday night, I don't, you know, and you want to, you want to think that they're comfortable because it's a church, it's a safe, it's a safe place and they trust everyone there. But some of these parents have never met the adults that are actually running this. But they know it's Saturday night. It's 75 degrees out. They can pull up, open the car door and say, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And they can go do what they want to do. And, and even though they were dropping them off at a church, which feels responsible, just seeing them do that and not coming in and shake a hand, not saying hi. They don't know who the youth minister is. They have no idea. They understand this building is a church, but they don't necessarily know who's inside of it. Yeah. And that used to strike me because I would be there on Saturday to enjoy game night. And I would just watch these parents dump, as a parent myself, just watching these parents dump their kids off and just go, well, they'll be safe till tomorrow. Sure, I'm pretty sure they probably have enough kids they can keep eyes on. They probably have a few enough kids they can keep eyes on all of them. <laughs> yeah, no, Not always I, true. Yeah, well, because I, I, I did a lot of youth program stuff when growing up. And uh, matter of fact, my wife and I, we used to join my friend Coy and his wife. Uh, we did bus ministry uh, for quite a few years and, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was painstaking, but, um, it was worth it all because we had a lot of kids that they still come up to us even, you know, years and years later and they go, Oh, you remember when you used to do uh penny trivia on the bus and all that stuff. Um, but I seen the, the very same thing that would happen. Um, for us, it was, it was Sundays, but it was, it was the same thing where these parents would just drop the kids off and we're like, Oh, I have, you know, three or four hours free, you know, I'm going to just, I'm not even going to go because there's church service for adults right in the other sanctuary. They could have went over there. They could have found out about the church. They could have vetted the people that were taking care of their kids a little bit, spent some time with them. And, and it didn't happen uh, hardly ever. I will say one thing that did speak to me in that time that he was doing that. Cause again, I would drop in, right. Or he'd invite me to come on over. And uh, one thing that really spoke to me is one night he called me and he said, one of my kids are one of my kids are in trouble. One of the kids is in trouble. Do you want to ride with me over there? And I went and hopped in his vehicle and we drove out and they had went to like an underage club and uh, I think a fight happened or something, something broken out and like that. Yeah. So we show up and they didn't call their parents because their parents probably weren't going to answer. Yeah. They called him. And that says a lot about the trust they have in him, you know, 
And that, that says a lot about the fact that he can definitely feel like he's enough. <laughs> that <laughs> kids that aren't his call him and they say, Hey, I trust you. I trust you to come get me out of a bad position. I trust you to come be the parent that I need right now. And I thought that was so incredible. Now, granted, when I went, I was, I was hot, right? Cause these kids are acting foolish. They're being teenage kids, getting in fights. And then, you know, we got them out of the problem, got them in his vehicle. We're driving them back to drop them off at home. And they're in the back doing what teenage boys do, talking it up about what happened and how tough they are, all the bravado that comes with that, right? With, with all those hormones going through your body as a young, a young guy. Yeah, as we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sitting up front and Don, of course, is a much nicer person than I am. <laughs> he is. It's not a lie. It's not a secret. Yeah. Him and his golden voice. Yeah. Right. 15 seconds talking to the two of us. You're going to find out he's a lot nicer than I am. <laughs> and he's just up there driving. He's just focused. He's just happy he's getting them home safely and that everything is resolved with anybody getting hurt or getting, you know, put in jail. But they're back there bragging. And so finally I had enough. Of course, I had something to say to them, like, you know, beside the fact that all of this happened, talking the way you're talking in this man's vehicle, knowing what he represents is, is beyond me. You know, so I suggest you change your language, you respect this man, what he's done for you and what he represents and what you're a part of, what you're a member of. Remember how you know this man and where he's from. And they all just kind of got silent. And I looked over at him and he kind of smiled at me and I smiled at him. And then we delivered them to their houses. And I was like, as soon as they were out, I looked over. I, I was not going to question myself while they were in the car. Yeah. But as soon as the last one got out, I looked over and go, did I overstep? And he's like, no. It takes, it takes a village. <laughs> right. Yeah, Because if mom and dad aren't home doing the job, then someone else has got to do it. And I can get tough with them. You know, he's yeah. their youth pastor and he's a youth minister. He's the, there's a reason why they trust him. Yeah. Now, if, if they even knew who I was after I scolded them like that, you think they would call me if they were in trouble? No, but oh, they're no. going to call him. So I can be brash. Yeah. And then good cop, bad cop. Right. It was good cop, bad cop. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, and well, and you were much nicer than I would have been. Oh yeah. I mean, it was uh, a little sketchy. I mean, this is a family show. Yeah. yeah. You did good. I probably gave you 87 and a half percent of what I said because the other 12 and a half, their part, their parents probably use only. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I had a few instances on the, on the, especially on the bus. I mean, cause I mean, kids get on a bus and something happens. I think, a, I think a switch flips in their head and, uh, they, they, uh, they just, just like, oh, it's time to misbehave. It's time, you know, that's why, I, that's why I always try to come up with games to, to keep them engaged so that they were distracted from the fact that they were on a bus. <laughs> Emergency door, pitch the first one out. The rest will then follow and pay yeah. attention. <laughs> Once one goes out the back door, all of them are like, okay. No games here. Yeah, there was actually a friend of mine. He said to to, to do that with a dummy. Oh, nice! Just to make them all learn a lesson. Yeah, like burning like burning the wrap box under the Christmas tree that has no gift in it. Yeah, or throwing it in the fireplace. Have you yeah, seen that? Throw, yeah, throwing it in the fireplace. They so just <laughs> like just buy Johnny and then just kick him out the back door and then you know they would see this dummy rolling around and yeah, you have your kids behave by taking an empty box, wrap it in wrapping paper, and then when one of your kids behaves, you just throw it in the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> There's a very expensive electronic in here. (laughs) Jingly, jingly. Fireplace. Sounds like an iPad. (laughs) Brand new. I wish I could do that, but we was too poor to have even any of that. No, yeah, I don't have, I've never had a fireplace. I just, I love the concept. If I have to go, you all go light the grill on. (laughs) I'm just going to light the grill up. There, watch it smolder. Yeah, the, uh, the, 
well, air quotes Weber that it looked like a Weber, but it wasn't. It was the twenty dollar grill that you. It had like all the rust on the. On oh the yeah. Grates. And oh yeah. yeah. It, it just hit it with way too much lighter fluid, light the match, and let it's, it go. It's clean. Yeah. Let's go. Now that I don't have any eyebrows, time for steak and burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, where are we at on time there, Laura? How are we looking? Oh, we didn't we didn't say anything about that. We don't have producer Sterling in the office to, in in the studio yeah, today. We have right. producer Laura. Yep, my wife is producing this week. She is she is keeping this ship sailing in the right direction. <laughs> so, oh yeah, so we got we got oh yeah, so we got about a minute left in in uh, family portion, and we can roll right over into the hot topics. That Politics. Yeah. Politics? I hate talking about politics. <laughs> me too. Just gives me a strange feeling oh. in my stomach. But while we're talking about it, I will. I don't want to deny anybody anything. <laughs> so, I think one of the first things. That's a long, dramatic pause I had there. I didn't yeah. mean for that. Didn't mean for all that dead air. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a laughing libertarian show this week, and that kind of you know that's my fault. And, well, that's my fault. It's okay. Sorry guys. Yeah, if, any, if any of you watch my show, I I'm here. Alan, you are enough. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I felt I was one show short of enough. Yeah. But now I feel like I'm I'm enough. Yeah. Okay. okay. Enough sarcasm. Sorry. <laughs> I, I have enough sarcasm hey, at all times. Sarcasm is the way you give hugs. I understand. Oh right. Um. So Democrats this week. I mean, like normal. I mean, I, I'm announcing this like it's revolutionary. They seem to be backpedaling a little bit on a lot of their things, such as mandates, um, buybacks, things like that. And <laughs> thankfully, Josh, giving you credit on this, yeah. and the LA Times, I don't want to thank them too much. <laughs> well, <laughs> we but, have to use their sources a lot of times to help them see the light. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And and by in no way, shape, or form am I saying Go to their publication. But I will at least cite them and say, uh, right here it says, COVID conflict, Democratic governors skip ahead of Biden and CDC on easing mask mandates. Now, you also have Beto O'Rourke, who's having some issues down in Texas right now. Bartholomew. <laughs> and where I'm going with this, and I'm just going to give a little thing here, it, it seems like as Americans on both sides of the aisle, as we see European countries start to ease off and end their mandates. Everyone is getting sick of the mandates here. And likewise, in Texas, we're seeing Beto O'Rourke going against Governor Abbott. And initially he came out and said he wanted an assault rifle ma- mandatory buyback. Yeah. And well, he, he said, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. He did. He did. And And now we're looking at every one of them watching their polls drop poll numbers dropping everywhere. Cause people are just not putting up with it. Whoopsie. And nobody wants to hang on to what they said at first. So now they're all backpedaling drastically. And so I just wanted to bring that out. Like, you know, it's not so much about the COVID mandates or about the AR 15s. I want to talk about, I want to talk about right before midterm here. We're watching the Democrats just roll it all back. And I didn't know what your feelings were on those, like watching these guys backpedal. Well, I mean, it, it's always inevitable for. Well, I mean, it happens in both parties, but for for certainly. But um, what what you're seeing here, I think, is is uh, they're like, oh, this is gonna lose us a whole lot of votes because not only are we witnessing um, 
the, the, the them realizing that they're not going to get the votes, but they're also seeing the uprisings around the globe. These things are happening. I think it kind of kind of started with the truckers in Canada a little bit, that Freedom Convoy, mm-hmm. and it started to pick up steam. And you you seen you know New Zealand, Australia, all over the all over the world, um, even Hong Kong. They were they were uprising and pushing back and saying, "We're not going to take it anymore." Josh, those are fringe mi- you know minorities you're talking oh, yeah, about. Fringe minorities. There's not there's like five or six people doing this. What are you talking <laughs> just about? A few. Yeah. It's just a traffic jam up in Canada. Just a couple of million people getting together, having a good time. Got a maple syrup slick on the highway <laughs> and you have trucks backed up across the country. I can't remember what the number was. 50, 50 something 50 something miles. I I quoted oh. it last week. But anyway, regardless. Yeah. It's a, yeah, you're you're seeing so you're seeing that and I'm then they're like, "Oh, well, we, we better we better change our tune. We better turn those keys on our guitars and, and get get back into the formation that we want them to see. And they do this every they, well. They did it in 2020. They they said, uh, well, we're we're going to support Black Lives Matter and we're going to do this and that when we get into office. And they said all the things that these organizations wanted to hear. And then they get into office and not one thing that they promised, they followed through with. And the, and that's what they're doing now. They're rolling these things back. Because they know that people are fed up with wearing masks, they just don't want to do it anymore. Let's just get back to regular life. Because it was—it's re- regardless of vaccination status. I thought that they said vaccinations work. Right. I mean, the science changes when the polls change. Yeah. The science of numbers changes. That's—that's that's the point, right? <laughs> and, yeah. When numbers go down, things have to change to make those people happy, and that's just—it's just petty and kind of gross when you think about it. I mean, think about it. I mean, I posted a video today. That I shared from Crowder, I think, on, on my page about it was a video of children being told that they weren't going to have to wear masks anymore. And it's a whole classroom of children being told that they want to wear a class and watching them just jump out of their seats and start just breaking into dance and ripping their masks off. And you're going, think about that. It was never about the kids, right? We, we knew the kids could get COVID. We knew the kids could. I, I'm dancing around some topics here. I know YouTube will get kind of touchy, but. Well, hey, in Florida, they wouldn't have had to wear them at all. So. Right. I don't want anything. I don't want YouTube to crack down on the video or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, we know what we know, but we know that the least likely to be affected. And I understand the idea was you don't get the children sick because the children get adults sick. Okay. I understand this concept. It's not a new concept. Yeah. Kids have sticky fingers. Right. Everybody, everybody knows who's around kids. The first year there in school, you are going to be sick most of that year. And generally speaking, once your kid goes back that first week, you're going to be sick the second week because your kid's going to bring home everything from every other kid, right? I get that. That's fine. But to think that we have taken children and the, and we put them in masks and we, the, some of these kids, some of these kids are old and are, are so young. They've have, they haven't lived a, a day in school without a mask on. At this point, just because they're so yeah. young, we have penalized those kids. We've been told that these kids have to be this way and everything else. And it tells you when the numbers on a poll can drop and those masks magically go away, was it ever truly about the science and protecting humanity? <laughs> doesn't sound like it, does it? It doesn't. I mean, it really, you know, and I'm not anti any of this stuff. I'm just saying, like, this is, this is what we see. This is a tangible information we can see. I feel like it was social programming and really those masks wasn't doing anything and that's the truth because a thin little mask you'd be better off wearing a a 95 mask than that thin little layer mask what was that gonna do 
Yeah, well, make make people feel safe. And I'll have to find it, but there, there's a doctor, and 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 I'll make sure, and, and I'll, pro, I'll go ahead and post it in the, uh, in the description. Um, there's a doctor who's, uh, he, he, he quote, uh, to try to quote him uh, as best I could. He said, even with the N95 mask, the most effective mask that there is, it's kind of like putting a chain link fence in front of piles of sand coming towards you. That's how much protection you have from COVID in an N95 mask. You have. <laughs> nothing. I mean, you ever held up, you ever watched sand go through a chain link fence? I mean, it's not exactly going to stop any of that sand. Nope. Oh, so. it's going to save me a couple lines if I'm, <laughs> if I'm close <laughs> enough. <laughs> but I got to be close enough. Yeah, you're still going to get sick. <laughs> so yeah, and then you know, um, and now we know. I mean, just eight months ago, just eight months ago, we would have been booted off of YouTube for saying that even with being fully vaccinated and boosted, that you couldn't still get COVID. Um, that you could still get COVID rather. And you, and now it's the truth now that now it's finally coming. So I think it's another reason why they, they realize they know they have to roll it back because they're going, they're telling you to go out and get vaccine, vaccinated and boosted and all this other, other stuff. And then come to realize that they were wrong. And they're like, ah, we better fall in line so that they'll vote for us. Right. And that's, it's gross. It's gross. Man. That's all I can say. I can't think of a word that I can say on a family friendly show. <laughs> But it's gross. It really is. The Democrats' biggest tool is pandering. Right. Fear. Yep. I mean, any politician's biggest tool is fear. And I, that's one of the things I was going to hit on in my show is that, you know, the left tells, you know, makes us scare, makes us fear certain things and the right makes us fear certain things. And, um, yep. but, you know, it's, it is what it is. It gets votes, right? It yeah. gets votes. It gets you out. It gets you to do what they want you to do. But uh, did you have anything you wanted to add to, uh, to that? Do you want to move I on to the next topic? Sure. Everything. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, cause I know we can just, man, we can just bounce off each other for an hour. <laughs> okay, the second thing we were talking about, or I wanted to talk about was, um, <laughs> was good old crack pipe Joe. <laughs> good old crack pipe Joe. Now, granted, he wasn't going to put a crack pipe. Former vice president. Yes, yes, there we go. Yeah. I didn't want to give him that much of a title. <laughs> I, I thought the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We already saw what Hunter does with a crack pipe. So. <laughs> Oh, it's, I'm sure it's got some kind of special engraving or. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe. You just, yeah. He only I, smokes from the best. I like gold pipes. leaf crack pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes Benz crack pipes. Like <laughs> <laughs> the glass was blown in a special studio. <laughs> so, um, right here, uh, from Fox News, uh, Senator Kennedy blasts Biden, the admin, uh, the Biden administration. There we go. I can talk. Uh, redirecting of COVID funds. To crack pipes, stuffing diapers down the toilet kind of thing. And, um, you know, this, this is silly. They came out, of course, they took a beating for about three or four days where they didn't say anything about the crack pipe situation. And then they came out and they, they thought they were going to smooth it over by saying, Oh, it's not a crack pipe. It's a lip guard for the crack pipe. <laughs> oh, thank you. So here's the thing. If you're going to announce this for equity and believe me, I'll shut up in a minute and let you guys no, just no, go ahead, grab the tail. Yeah. Um, if you're going to announce this is for equity purposes, initially saying that we need crack pipes for equity, you mean that you mean white folks can afford their crack pipes? Is that what this is all about? <laughs> or now you say it's a lip guard. Okay. Are you saying white folks can afford their lip guard so everybody else needs a lip guard for a crack pipe? I mean, I, I think we're missing the purpose here. <laughs> like, they're making it safer to do crack. It's like, um, let me interject there. It's still doing uh, 
Crack. Crack. <laughs> so, How safe is that? Right. Well, you know, the same, we, just to, just to go ahead and bring this full circle here. It's about abortions, right? Like the whole idea was make, make them what, what? Rare, safe, and legal. Yeah. Right. Rare, safe, and legal. Right. The, or you're going to have people having abortions still. They're going to be dangerous. People are going to die. Blah, blah, blah. Right. That's the whole point. Yeah. That was Bill Clinton. Yeah. So now that's the argument here. We go ahead and give out the crack pipes or lip guards. <laughs> and and that way people are always going to do drugs but now we give them devices that make it safer right well you know what so I'm, they could do more drugs I'm, I'm okay with this you know why i'm okay with this and believe me if i say i'm okay with this i'm not okay with this or i'm going to twist it and have some fun with it you know people wouldn't be illegally getting guns and shooting each other if you just gave us all some <laughs> yeah, i mean you, you can do it overseas you can at least give us each I don't know. I mean, I don't want a high point, but hey, I mean, if you're waiting for the government to give you something, it's their choice. I mean, I'm not too much for jumping out of planes, <laughs> but if they say, here's a parachute, <laughs> it makes it safer. Right. I might go, oh, maybe I, maybe I can do this. I have something to make it a little bit safer. <laughs> uh, I still won't do it, by the still, way. Still won't do it. Yeah, still won't. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a junkie uh, <laughs> of any kind. <laughs> not even adrenaline. Not even adrenaline, no. No, I uh, see what, uh, that could do to people. I, I lived in New York and I seen these. During the crack ep- epidemic. Yes. And, um, I seen a lot of crackheads in New York and it's a sad story to see. You see these girls, they start taking cracks and they, their life is ruined. It makes them ugly. It destroys their life. They're running the streets late at night, looking in the streets, thinking that they see crack in the floor. And they're walking like zombies. Right. It's not worth. It's not worth it. Same thing that's happening today in, in towns in Ohio um, with the opioid crisis. We see heroin here. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of heroin in yeah. Indianapolis. Yeah. You see it a it's, lot. It's affected uh, people that I know in my life. I mm-hmm. know. I know individuals that I grew up with and love and care about, like like family, and um, uh, they're on. Uh, they're in and out of heroin addiction, and it breaks my heart because it didn't used to be like that. Yeah. I just waiting for that phone call to say, you know, so and so's passed away. You know, do you want to do the eulogy? It's just it, it kills me every time that I think about it because I know that that that's coming because there's just nothing, nothing to to stop it, and and now they just want to make it safer for them to do it. So just the, the needle programs, um, things like that. Well, they said also if you if you get them to smoke it, you're less likely to have all the other problems that come with injecting drugs, yeah. right? So that's kind of the twofold. I, I don't want to make this seem one sided where we're really just. That's, you know how I am. Yeah. Uh, I really like to show like, okay, yes, this is funny. Let's, let's bag on this really hard. And then this is the caveat that they tried to say. And so they're trying to say, well, okay, if we, if we have people smoking drugs, they're not injecting drugs. So then you lose a lot of other things that can, that comes along with that. But at the end of the day, what happens when that crackhead or that heroin addict hits a little lady in the head to steal something to buy heroin, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. You've eliminated the risk of them dying, or you've you've not eliminated, but you've lessened the risk of them dying from something. But you've increased the likelihood of them committing crimes because you're keeping them on it. Yep, you're you're enabling it. In New York, they were giving needles back then, but so they don't share needles. Right, they don't. A lot of cities still have that program. It's kind of like setting down piles of bricks for. Uh, uh, things happened in streets during the summer of 2020. I don't know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) If we give them the bricks, 
they won't possibly cut their hands when they punch the glass. <laughs> Looking out for them. Yeah. They can get their Nike sneakers a whole lot faster. It is. I mean, hey, you know what? If they're not going to do anything about child labor laws in China, then you might as well let people steal the sneakers. <laughs> I'd rather them steal them directly from Nike, though, so the stores don't have to buy them for yeah. inventory. Yeah. Yeah, so that people like me who's just out there just counting one, two, three, four. Why are four of them missing? <laughs> <laughs> and on those Nikes, Jordan tried to get them to bring the price down, but they wouldn't do it. Really? Hey, wow, that's that's pretty incredible. I didn't see – that's something I didn't know, and I always just thought that was more of a, a, a Jordan thing, but that's pretty amazing that he tried to do that. Yes, he did. Because that's been a, a big ding on him over the years with Shaq mm-hmm. and like Stefan Marbury. And they both came out and said, look, why is it that we can make a shoe? We put our name on a shoe and you can give it to a kid who actually lives in the neighborhood where, where he's playing basketball, you know? Yeah. That's what, something I liked about those uh, Shaquille O'Neal's shoes in particular, because we could go to your local Kmart. Kmart's a store that used to exist, kids. Um, it was, it's much like your Walmart, but a little bit smaller. Um, but they didn't mop quite as often either. (laughs) No, but they did have, usually they had a little Caesars located in one corner of the, so that was, that made it a little bit easier to go. Um, and there was always this thing called a blue light special. Ah, I was going to go with the blue light special. Yeah. That blue light special happened. So we had blue light special on a pair of shack shoes, a $20 pair of shack shoes became like $17. So you were like, "Ah, I'm going to save $3 today. That's pretty cool. It made you feel special. Just like the blue light. Ah, stop it. Every time I had something I wanted to say there, you nailed it. <laughs> as soon as you, as soon as you said, special, I was going to be like, yeah. like the blue light. Yeah, great, ah, great minds, great minds. Man. Okay. <laughs> man. Next time he does a zinger, like that, I'm going to give you a symbol, Laura, like a little hand signal, and you're just going to cut his mic off, and then I'm just going to roll right over the top with it. <laughs> you can give me crickets, too. You know where that oh, at. Oh, that's brutal. Don't do that, damn. Um. Are we good on that one? You guys want to move forward? Yeah, let's keep going. Keep going. Let's keep going. All right. I don't know how much time we have left. I'm not irritated enough. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to push this to three hours. Yeah, three hours. So Arizona, Phoenix, actually, um, nine officers hurt this morning. Mm. This is Friday, so you guys will see it tomorrow or we'll time travel backwards or yeah. forward, whichever works. But Friday morning, nine officers injured, uh, responding, I mean, it says right here. To a baby. To a baby, yeah. They're showing up, and um, they think this is the, I think, granted, this isn't factual. We don't know this 100%, but they're saying that might be the most number of officers the Phoenix Police Department's ever had injured all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, he was, they were showing up, issue with the baby. Guy says, come on in. He's holding the baby. Officers come in. He sets the baby down. They go to secure the baby because they know what they've got to do. So, but he waits till they start to secure the baby and then he opens fire. You know, baby in line of fire and everything. And it's just, where have we gone? And again, this is kind of, kind of the theme for anything I talk about tonight has been, this is the story, but here's what we need to talk about. What's the, what's the root? You know, we're in a, we're in a position in this country. We're in a culture in this country currently where the people who do the most to save us and keep us protected are being randomly attacked and killed by people who think in their minds have been convinced that those people aren't there to help them. 
that they're there to kill them and to take everything away from them. They've been taught this from childhood, I bet. Well, and, and we're a general culture of, of believing this. You know, you see an instance here, you see an instance there. But aren't we all taught that we don't judge people for the way they look because of what we've seen other people who look like them do or yeah. what someone actually wears? We don't look at someone wearing this certain outfit and then we see them do a bad thing. Therefore, we apply that same feeling, that same idea to every person who wears that outfit or everyone who has that skin color or everyone who comes from this area. I thought we were taught a long time ago that we don't do that. Yeah. So Don't judge a book by its cover. That's correct. I've told my whole life. It's one size doesn't fit all. One size does not fit all when we're talking human beings. Yeah. And now we have police officers. By and large, most are doing a fantastic job out there and being more patient than any particular one of us could possibly be. I know I couldn't do it. Oh, I couldn't. I was going to do it. And I'm, I can tell you right now I'm happy I didn't because I don't know if I could keep my cool with people chucking frozen water bottles at me and rocks and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it could, could be a concrete shake that they're throwing at you. Right. You never know. Right. Or concrete mixer from. Eh, no, no. Like, I mean, it's a shake filled with concrete. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, or, or acid or, or anything, you know. And the sad thing that he killed the mother and let that baby motherless. Just, wow. Breaks your heart. I mean, that. he's room temperature at this point, though. Yeah. Well, he's refrigerated. Um, yeah, it's climate controlled. Yeah, that's there's your climate change. Ooh, and it's happening. All he over. can't deny that climate. <laughs> he's not a climate change denier anymore. No, he's not. And it's happening in every city, not just in Arizona. Right, and that's what I was going with. Like to see it in Phoenix. You know, Phoenix isn't really known for that, right? Like we're not seeing a whole lot. We saw it in New York a few weeks ago. Uh, we're seeing it in all the major cities, most of them Eastern Seaboard. Um, I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying that's it is yeah. where it's happening. We've had it in Indianapolis, plenty. Yeah. Indy, Chicago. I mean, I remember when um, Drajon Reed died that night, right? And that was uh, crazy. The horrible thing he did, you know, running, running from the officers, turning around, firing. He gets killed, but it's all on live. So people think the police did this horrible thing. Comes to find out, the facts are the facts. We just have to wait for them. Unfortunately, social justice is immediate. Please don't burn down your local Wendy's. Right. Actual mm-hmm. justice. I mean, Drejan Reed right up here. You know what I'm saying? Michigan Road right here in Indy. Yeah. And, and I'm just oh, just yeah, making sure that no, no one goes out. And we know Rayshard Brooks. Down. <laughs> um, <laughs> and please. Over it. So what a lot of people don't talk about was that same night when Dre, when that happened with Drejan Reed. Drejan Reed did that live. All that stuff happened. Everybody was outraged because for some weird reason, even though – he was obviously not a victim. People felt some kind of way about it because someone literally died right there. That makes no matter what, people feel some kind of way about it. What people don't talk about was within an hour or two after that, in the same area, there was a police. There was a call into the nine one one that someone was breaking into apartments. This is someone no one talks about. I couldn't believe this happened. A guy was so upset that Drejan Reed was killed that night that he called the police and said someone was breaking into apartments to lure the police out there. And he sat there with a rifle and he took a couple shots and he missed. Thankfully, as they got out of their squad car, he shot at them. They returned fire. They're a little more accurate than he is. Yeah. And, and that's training a little bit, a couple days, yeah. a couple days, you know, you get one for anger management, two for <laughs> deescalation. And then you get about 30 minutes after they pepper spray you to shoot at the range. 
And then they hand you a badge, I think. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's the protocol. It took me 18 months just to do, you know, just to try to even get in there. Yeah. Um, but, but all I'm saying is like, that's the thing, right? That's the climate I'm talking about. And I don't mean a monologue here. This isn't my TED talk, <laughs> but think about that. This happens over here. It upsets this guy so much that he says, you know what? I'm going to call in a false report just so I can possibly kill a police officer. And that was here. We have a, we have a population of less than a million. So you're talking LA, New York. This is crazy to think that there are so many people out there who feel this way. And, uh, I mean, what do you think, you know, the root cause? Give us, give us, uh, give us your ideas on this, the root cause. I think this is bad because, um, these cops, they put their life every day out there to protect you. And then you're going to have some nut come out and shoot you down because you're doing your job. Right. Not right at all. I don't think this should even happen at all. But a lot of it got to do with drugs, the black lives what they put in people's mind about cops being bad. And um, this like is why we're having all these problems of shooting cops. People like Reverend Al Sharpiton. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Who who like, makes money off of his people. Mm-hmm. Makes money. I hate to say his people. You know what? I, I preach all the time about not having, not caring about race. But I'm just saying he exploits people who look like him. Yeah. He exploits situations that don't need to be exploited. If you're if the the cover of your book like looks like me, then then uh, you should uh, feel this certain way and make sure you pony up some money. Yeah, make sure you pony up some money and then go get upset and and do stu- something stupid so I, I can then go once again and cause even more of a stir up. And he learned that early in life. Yeah, he learned that early in life that if you just being rewarded for stupidity, play off tragedy. You know, and he said, you know, oh, well, hey, I want to open up a permanent office in Indianapolis. He did that once a couple of years, probably 15 years ago. And uh, he said it was like 12. He was a little heavier then. Yeah. <laughs> he said he was going to open up permanent office here, but it was going to cost him some money. And he felt that in Indianapolis, there was a lot of racial issues that needed to be taken care of. And he couldn't do that. He couldn't fight the good fight unless he got a little bit of money on the backside so he could come here. Of course, he didn't say that, but you got to donate to him so he can come here. Yeah. And it's just... These people, again, like those politicians we talked about earlier, I've got, I've got one word. It's just gross. He's, I, he's a regular Joel Osteen, <laughs> right? 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 They exist in all forms. Yeah. Every color, every creed, they exist. Yeah. And it's just, you know, Josh, what do you think about, you know, do you think this is more of a, a we're seeing now? Granted, I can't, I can't quote this. I saw a little headline popped up that said more officers have been injured with Biden at, as president. Mm-hmm. And we've seen, but I don't want to quote that because I I didn't dig deep enough into that, so I don't feel yeah, comfortable not, enough saying yeah, that statistical numbers. Yeah, I, I don't have the statistics uh, right, and I'm I'm a numbers guy. If so. I had to guess, though, um, just judging by the, uh, the the rhetoric that comes out of the White House, that certainly uh, it's it's not uh, it's certainly not helped the situation for officers. I mean. When you've you've got statements coming out of the White House of like, oh, if you, if you got a criminal in your backyard, shoot your uh, shotgun in the air. Um, excuse me, that's uh, it's illegal. <laughs> I think it's a Class C felony, and it's not classy of a felony. Uh, <laughs> um, I like what you did there. So, um, yeah, certainly um, people see this coming from our representatives and. The representative, so, you know, the the commander in chief, former Vice President Joe Biden, saying things like this and saying, "Well, you know, 
Black Lives Matter over and basically essentially is over police police lives when he was um, in his uh, when he was a candidate Joe Biden for president this last run around and uh, I think that that's that started some of the fire uh, but I think it actually goes all the way back to when Obama was president because I remember um, late nineties early two thousands where it felt like we were coming to the end of uh, of racism. To me, I mean, like, obviously there was always going to be those few. There's always outliers. It's going to happen. There's always those few idiots out there that are like, the Klan. Well, and there's situations also that that aren't true racism, right? There was just literally black person, white person, Hispanic person, Asian person, someone who doesn't look like the other person that's in the the issue. And suddenly it becomes, for the outside world, it's it's a race issue. When, in fact, it's just two people having a problem or one person who's a jerk. And the other person's a victim, right? And but because they don't look the same, it has to be because of race. It has to be no no decision on the face of the earth can be made, unfortunately, from the way the media looks at it. And some people, it has to be looked through this this, this lens. lens, right? Yeah, and it's not that way. And and I and I remember, you know, um, uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of George Bush or anything like that. But but during his presidency, well, especially right around nine eleven, I mean, people were. Kind I was going to ask Bush or W. Yeah, W. Um, I should should clarify, but right around nine eleven, um, I mean, everybody came together in this country, and we did not. It did not matter, race, creed, or color. I mean, people were coming together. At that we were point. Americans. Americans, yes, Americans, and we were all coming together, and, and that that unity was forming. And then, um, and then Barack Obama became president, and and I thought, well, I didn't vote for the guy. I didn't like his policies. I didn't like he, really much of anything he had to say. I thought, oh, you know, the, the nation is healing further because now we can say we've had uh, a black president. Now people can say, okay, we have a representative commander-in-chief. Looks like my book cover. Yeah, kids can aspire, right? Kids can aspire to, to know. I mean, it was always there. It's yeah. always there. I'm not, no, never mind. Scratch that. I don't want to say always because there was a time when it wasn't. Right. All right. Uh, in our lifetime. Yeah. In our lifetime, certainly attainable. Sorry, Louis. Also, <laughs> there was a great president, a 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. He's a pretty good guy. Some people talk about him. Most people say that that's he, their favorite. He, he was part black. He his, was worth my two cents, too. His mother was half black, and she was European. And white. She had three mixtures. And he never considered himself as a white person. He always considered himself with the bad hair and dark. And he said his one of his famous speech was, and he was a Republican. The first Republican. The first Republican. And to me, I think he was the first black besides Obama. He said his Favorite speech was all men were created equal. And that's the way we should all be. Absolutely. Equal. And this happened in 1861. And then in 1862 was when he started freeing the slaves. That was the Republican. And in Chicago, they also had another Republican in, uh, in 19, I think it was 19-something. I can't remember the date exactly. It was 1928, I think it was. They had their first Republican. He used to be a Republican, and he was black. And um, 
and all of a sudden they change oh, the, that, sorry. to a Democrat state. Which is interesting because historically Republicans have been from the north. Mm-hmm. Historically Republicans have been the ones for freedom, for everyone's freedom. It's right. a meritocracy. Right. It's not about your color. It's about what have you accomplished? What have you done, good and bad, and where that weighs? What knowledge, what experience have you gained, and how much value is it worth? How much? What is it worth? Um, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Make it happen. Yeah. You know. You can do it. You are enough. <laughs> you are enough. And, <laughs> and so the interesting yeah, thing. Jeremy agrees too. Right? No. <laughs> she definitely agrees. And I was just thinking like, you know, there was a time when we backed the blue as a country. 9-11, yes. real big soldiers, firefighters, P, uh, EM, you know, yeah, EMTs. First responders for sure. All first responders, right? Yeah. So that was, that was something huge. And, and now, you know, you look at it and it's like with Joe Biden in office, how often do the police even get mentioned by Joe Biden? I'm not saying he, he needs to pat them on the back necessarily, but we should all, the, the respect level is dropped. And, um, to the point to where, I mean, kind of segueing, trying to bounce back to the story we just talked about. It seems like the only kind of, Backing of the blue that Joe Biden's about is, I don't know, crystal meth. <laughs> uh, crack pipe. <laughs> and defunding the police. Right. That yeah. didn't help any either. Yeah, that was his message when he was candidate Joe Biden for sure. Mm-hmm. And and to compare him to Trump uh, in particular, um, that when, when it comes to, to military, certainly, but, I mean, Trump has also been a champion of, of the um, police as well, but uh, – uh, every time I ever seen him on screen with either police or military or any any first responders, he always gave them the utmost respect. Right. Because he would tell them, you're the real heroes. You're the real heroes. And um, I, actually, there's one video that always sticks with me. It's, uh, uh, Trump is about to get on uh, to an airplane. I, I don't know if it was Air Force One or, or, or what, but uh, the the wind. Commercial flight. He's, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's flying coach. The wind or, or the turbine. <laughs> one, one way or another – this Marine's hat comes off and the Marines trying to stand straight and be at attention for the commander in chief at the mm-hmm. time. And Trump actually kneels down, picks up the hat, puts it back on the Marine. That's amazing. Twice. Not once, twice to are make you, sure that that hat stays on that Marine. Are you telling me he didn't get it right the first time? <laughs> well, sounds the, like he needs a the another wind or the turbine or whatever it was, was blowing around there or, or a combination of both. It knocked that hat off a second time and in, he had so much respect for the military, you know, and and that's not, it's not an easy feat in, in seventy plus years of age. Just go, I'm going to walk over here and pick up this hat, and right. I know I'm I'm 38 and I have troubles just getting down on uh, down down back uh, from my knees and back up again when I'm working. So I was just saying, he did, if he didn't get it done right the first time, if he didn't get it done the way he wanted it the first time, he yeah. should probably get a second chance. <laughs> yeah. And because of Trump, yeah, certainly. Uh, <laughs> Second chance for Trump. What do you think, Louie? And because of Trump, that's when we started having more respect for our service people. That's when the people started going around and telling service people, thank you for your service. Well, and the interesting thing about that is he was, you know, unlike other Republicans, and as a libertarian, I totally respect this, um, he cared about budget. I mean, now people are going to say, well, this, that, and the other thing. If COVID didn't happen, it would be amazing to see the numbers. Hmm. But... He pulled troops out of places where there was no conflict, and he brought them home. And that's twofold. You're bringing people home to be with their families, and you're not – every people don't realize that when you have soldiers stationed in other countries, those countries, even though they're NATO countries and, 
and they are paying to be a part of NATO and we're paying to be a part of NATO, there's no agreement for them to take care of our soldiers. Yeah. So when we feed them, we feed them from here or we locally source it there if we can. But they're not going to pony up. They're not paying for our protection. Our taxes pay for our police officers. Our taxes pay for us to be able to police their area as well with our soldiers. So when you bring them home, you're also saving us a ton of money sending goods back and forth, sending anything they need, housing, whatever it would be, or money we're paying whatever government, Germany or whatever, to use their housing and use whatever they have. So it's saving massive amounts of money, and you're bringing people home, and you're doing that across the board. And that was one thing as a libertarian, and I'm huge on the military, very pro-military. I, I, I think, think that, most Americans are, or abs- should be. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we have the strongest military to ever walk the face of the earth. And that's incredible when you think of all the amazing militaries with Napoleon and, uh, you know, we just go all the way down the line. Yeah. yeah. Roman Empire, Ottoman Empire. That's, it's yeah. amazing to think that the, not just the weaponry has gotten better. The actual skill sets have gotten that much better. So that's, that's a big, I mean, I've, I have goosebumps right now. Yeah. Thinking of that and just how proud I am to have that. But to also know that you have a president who says, we don't need this. Mm-hmm. And typically Republicans, that's kind of the hang up, right? Well, they don't really save us money because they dump the money into the military. Well, now you have a Republican president saying, let's bring those guys home. Let's save some money. Let's save some money. We don't need the money. We don't need to update Air Force One. Five minutes. Well, we're getting a five minute warning. Okay. Oh man. I was afraid I was already over. I got a little passionate there for a second. <laughs> it's all and right. now we got a Democrat to stop, you know, that military funding. But he's going to, you know, threaten to push our military, is moving our military around Europe right now. Mm-hmm. So you're cutting back funding on police. Let's, let's get this right. You said the reason that we had a problem with police and police were doing these horrible things is they didn't have the training they needed to have. So then you cut the funding and you move the jobs around and you think that you're going to send a therapist essentially, and they're a counselor in there to handle these problems that police shouldn't have to be there for. But then you cut funds for the military, as you're saying, right? Well, if it didn't work with the police locally, stateside. Yeah, that lost you votes. Yeah, it didn't, even then. Yeah. I mean, even well, beside the votes. Certainly. You, you take training away from the police officers and expect a higher level because of the culture and the climate in the country. You're taking training and, and, and gear for lack of a better word, away from police officers to now handle a more uh, abrasive climate. And then you expect them to do a better job than they were doing before. But then you look to our military, and if you're taking money away from the military, and you're saying, hey, we don't need to spend this, but then you're posturing in a way that says, we might go to war, what are you doing? If you if you take the, the soldier's gun away and you hand them a knife because it saves $2, <laughs> Because it looks better on the balance sheet. But you expect him to go to war. What are you doing? Well, I mean, to, to quote the president just today, watched, we were watching the news uh, just before we uh, came down to, to get started here. Um, and I don't, won't go too far into it because I feel like we should save it for, for next week for sure. And we want to see how things go with, with Ukraine and everything. But uh, he said, Ukraine? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't want to go get to go too far into it, but uh, he he told uh, he said uh, any Americans who are in Ukraine, uh, if you, if you're not out by the time that basically when the crap hits the fan, uh, you're on your own. We've seen that before. Yeah, he just says you're on your own. And I'm like, well, wait, this is not the rhetoric of a president, no, of a leader. Yeah, this isn't a leader. 
No, it, it, this definitely does not represent me. He is not my representative. I tell you that because anyone worth their weight, you know, especially if they're in the the, the commander in chief spot, you don't say you're on your own. You're an American. If you're over, the, whether you're over there or you're here, you're just as important in either right. place. Well, those people don't vote Democratic, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why it, they, 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 have, they have an American flag on their shoulder, which means they don't vote Democratic. <laughs> <laughs> Two-minute warning? Does the clock stop at the two-minute warning in this show? No. Oh, okay. Just I don't know if it's like football. <laughs> <laughs> we got an extra. We got a free down. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a good place to, to bring it on home, Alan. I think so. Um, how are we going to close this out? What would, how would you like to close this out, Josh? I'll let you close your own show out because I didn't think <laughs> about how to close this out. Well, uh, normally what I do is uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do a closing prayer, and then uh, and then you can do the outros for each of us. Well, it looks like you have the closing prayer. I, I hear you, Journey. Certainly, certainly journey's, journey's in this. Give us a prayer. Give us <laughs> Close right. us out. So, Father God, uh, thank you for a chance to, to do this show uh, once again. Um, I want to remember uh, uh, some people uh, uh, I've mentioned to you privately that uh, they're going through some things, and, uh, and certainly a good friend of mine uh, today – he woke up a little bit dizzy and he was uh, sick. And so I want to put in a special prayer for him. Uh, but once again, yeah, thank you for letting us do this show and have this uh, time of camaraderie. And, and hopefully your word goes out there and does not come back void, just like you promised um, so that people can out there can realize that they are enough in your son's heavenly precious name. We pray. Amen. 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 Well, personally, I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode of FFP and your amazing host over here, Josh. You can catch him on this show normally, in this seat. And we have Louie here. We can't do the show without him. He brings us in every single time. You want to thank you, Louie. Appreciate you. And I'm your special host. Special. Special. <laughs> Alan McFarland, and we definitely thank you. Have a great week. See you next time. This has been a presentation of Faith, Family, and Politics.